there. Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. We have a special bonus interview today with Crystal Dunn of the U.S. Women's National Team and the Portland Thorns. We've had some great guests lately, including Wright Thompson, Bria Felicien, and Ivan Gazidis. I also encourage you to check out my podcast series, American Prodigy, The Freddie Adu Story. All eight episodes are out, and you can binge all of them to your heart's content. Now, here's my interview with Crystal Dunn. Our guest now is, for me, the best player on the U.S. women's national team in 2021, and thus, one of the best players in the world. Crystal Dunn and her U.S. teammates have won their first two games of the She Believes Cup against Brazil and Canada, and they face Argentina on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on FS1 and Tudene. Crystal, great to see you again. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, lots to talk about here, but let's start with the first two games of this tournament. Canada was kind of hard to play against. Your your team eventually broke through for a 1-0 win. And then the Brazil game was pretty wide open at times in a 2-0 win. How have you seen the U.S.'s performance in these two games? Yeah, I think from one game to another, we definitely improved. Um, we fine-tuned some things. I think uh, against Canada, we gave the ball away pretty easy, um, easier than we normally do. And I think um, Canada has the quality to obviously uh, gain momentum off of our mistakes. So I think after that game, we kind of realized, you know, we're hurting ourselves by really giving up the ball easier than we need to. So um, we definitely against Brazil tried to do a way better job of that. And I think we did collectively just, you know, being a bit more patient. I think a lot of people know we are a, a transition based team, obviously not, that's not the only thing we're good at, but we do like to catch teams on the, the counter. Um, and I think for us, it's now realizing when it's the time to go. You know, sometimes it's like, all right, the team got back. They recovered. Now let's just keep them all moving, you know. So, um, you know, it wasn't a perfect game. But again, we do not need to be at our absolute best right now. We need to be peaking come Olympic time. So I think everyone's just very committed to the journey. I do want to ask you about a specific play you made not long after Kristen Press's goal where you somehow ran what seemed like the length of the field to make a goal-saving slide tackle in the box on Ludmilla of Brazil. Could you sort of lead me through what you saw from the start of your run, like where you were on the field even, and how that sequence played out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, looking back, I really wasn't that far away. It felt like I was because I was like, you know, the whole buildup, I was like, all right, it's breaking down, it's breaking down. Me and Becky were, you know, 2v1 uh, a little bit inside our half. And then, you know, once we saw Dubinia kind of take off, we were like, all right, drop. Don't, you know, don't even think about stepping to her. Let's just both drop. Um, and then obviously the player in between us, uh, you know, made a really well-timed run in between me and Becky. And of course, as the weak side outside back, you know, that's that's my opportunity right there to, to track. Um, you know, I slide, I was able to block the shot. Obviously, debatable. It hits the back of my, like, backslash kind of elbow. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not a VAR specialist. I couldn't tell you me thinking back. Yes, it looks relatively like it could be a handball. But again, at the end of the day, that's up for refs to decide. And all I could do is my job. So but I was happy to be there at the at the right place, the right time. And, um, you know, that's what it takes. I'll tell you what my perspective was, was that the ball hit 
not your arm first, it hit your yes. it hit your leg, it looked like, and then it popped up yeah, and I struck was your like, arm. And so in those situations, typically, if it's a deflection onto your mm -hmm. arm from something else, yes, they don't usually give that. So I, I was like, everyone on Twitter is like, it's a handball, why are we praising her? And I was like, honestly, one, she was one centimeter away from me. So I mean, for refs to call a handball, I don't know, but again, I don't really get involved in it. I think at the end of the day, I was happy to make, be able to make that block and um, keep the game kind of in our favor at that moment. So um, yeah, yeah, crazy game. I, I'm gonna be the VAR on that and say no handball. So uh, yes. I have spoken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. I was looking this up. The US now has an incredible 36 game unbeaten run. And I, that's lengthy. The only longer one I found, I think, was 43. I, I, I may have to double check my stats, but like it's- uh oh we got, it's, we, gotta, we gotta break that one then. <laughs> rarefied air. Um, how are you feeling about the team right now with the Olympics you know, virus willing just a few months away? And, and do, you, do you sort of lose track sometimes that you've gone 36 games without a loss? Um, yes, because our team is very good at, um, you know, staying in the moment. I think it's, it's kind of dangerous to get caught up in the future too far ahead. And I think for us, it's really about just improving from one training to another one game to another. And like I said, even from the Canada game to, uh, the Brazil game, it was really about, okay, Canada was, you know, a very challenging game in many ways, but how can we just better ourselves so we can minimize the chances that we give to the other team. So I think, you know, for us, it's about staying present, staying in the moment. Um, you know, it's incredible that the back line and, and list and obviously all the players, you know, to be fair, shutouts are not just about the defensive end and, and the goalkeeper. It's really about everybody getting back, collectively defending and doing all the work that is needed to keep the ball out of the back of the net. Yeah, nine games now uh, in a row with a clean sheet, which uh, is also extremely impressive. Um, you've jo just joined the Portland Thorns recently. You're finally going to be able to live in the same location as your husband, Pierre, who's the Thorns trainer. From a personal perspective, what has it been like to be in the same location as him? And, and what are your thoughts on living in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah. I mean, it's been nice. I feel like I really got to know my husband all over again. You know, <laughs> I think, I mean, I do make that joke a lot, but it's really true because we've been married for three years and we've probably spent like, you know, probably at most like a month in a row together. Everything's been like a series of, you know, two weeks here, then, you know, three weeks away and then, you know, that kind of thing. So it's been really nice to really just get settled, feel like I no longer have to pack my bags every two weeks. I think that's been a really nice feeling. And just getting in a rhythm, you know, a lot of our lifestyle is very much um, changing at the drop of a hat. And, and, you know, we do it for so long that sometimes we think that that's just normal. And I kind of got a glimpse of like what actually normal life is, which is, you know, being in one place, sleeping in, you know, one bed and not really feeling like you have to travel all the time. And it, it really has been nice. And of course, we work together. So we have to now uh, balance the whole idea of, you know, Yes, you are my husband, but at the end of the day, we're coworkers. So there just has to be that respect and professionalism there, which is always there. So it's really not a challenge at all. But it's um, it really has been nice to be home. Now, judging from your social media feeds, I, I'm seeing chickens. Uh, 
is this do you guys live in a rural area or, or like are you in the city like what's going on there what's I up know, with the chickens everyone, everyone thinks we live on a farm and i'm like honestly i'm in the suburbs like i really am not on a farm um no we made the decision though to get uh chickens you know right when COVID hit we were like listen if we have to stay home and we can't really travel we can't you know go to the grocery store as often as we would like to we were like let's let's start this project of getting chickens. And I was like, not in favor at first. I was kind of like, this is odd, but <laughs> come to find that they require minimal work. They don't need a whole lot of space. Um, they just do their thing. They take care of themselves. It's kind of like having roommates versus like really having a pet. <laughs> I mean, are, I, I feel like I should ask, are you raising them as like more pets or to eat? They're my pets. I named them. So once you name them, you can't <laughs> okay. really, you know, there's no, there's no leaving that space at that point. You just kind of, uh, you know, you treat them as, as one of your own They're, You know, I, I take very good care of them. I check on them like every like hour. I feel like I'm always poking my head out, making sure that they, you know, are just healthy and, and living their best life. <laughs> well, Portland is a wonderful place to, to visit from my perspective. So it must be a good place to live as yeah. well. Um, from a soccer perspective with the Portland Thorns, is it fair to say you're expecting to play in the number 10 role with Portland? Yes, it is fair to say. Um, obviously, it is up to Mark where he sees me, but I do think we both have an understanding that it will not be in the back line. So I am cheesing very, <laughs> very hard because of that decision. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to playing that role with a new team. Um, it's definitely going to be an adjustment, just a different system, different players, obviously. But um, I just, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to like feel free, do my thing, you know, get involved in the attack, but also, um, you know, just cause havoc and kind of draw players to me to ultimately feed the ball to those that I know will put the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> Easily the best supported team in the NWSL in Portland. So obviously we hope that fans sooner rather than later are going to be allowed to come back uh, because I know that gives the Thorns a big advantage when they play at home. Um, I, I, one more question about the number 10 position. Does, does part of you, of Authentic Crystal, hope to convince U.S. coach Vladko Andonovsky at some point to play you as a number 10? I would say I, I definitely am not trying to convince him uh, in training. I think what I've actually been struggling with is, you know, fighting the role of an outside back. And I feel like over these last couple of games, over the last year, I really have learned more and more to embrace it. And it really has made me feel like um, I'm really putting that position on my back and, and playing it the way I need to play it. So you know, for him, he's in a very, he already has crazy decisions that he needs to make. And I think, um, you know, my job is to really just be the best player I can be. And wherever I fall on the field, I'm always going to try to rise to the occasion and, and keep the standard high. So wherever I am needed, I'm, I'm always trying to be the very best. You know, I, I introduced you a certain way because I feel that way. I feel like you're the best player on the U.S. women's national team in 2021. Uh, I think it's possible to do that as an outside back. I think we've seen Lucy Bronze be a finalist for World Player of the Year as an mm -hmm. outside back. I, I, How do you feel about, like, is it possible from your perspective to be World Player of the Year as an outside back? I think it's definitely possible. I think 
we still do live in a world where, you know, those that score the goals, assist the goals are going to get a lot of praise and a lot of credit. And rightfully so it is not easy to score goals and create goals. Um, so I think that's where I really was disappointed, you know, at first when I was playing outside back, because I felt like, um, you know, the role of the 10 just made me feel like, wow, the spotlight's on me. I'm, you know, I'm getting the ball all the time. I'm constantly involved. And I just feel like, you know, as an outside back, you're not really involved unless you need to be involved, you know, and you're only playing on one side of the pitch. So the ball has to completely cross over the field to get to you for you to then have that opportunity to be involved. So, um, like I said, is it, I think for so long, I was fighting the feeling of like, no, I don't want to be an outside back because of everything that, you know, the negative feelings that I feel like I associate with the position. But I think now I'm like, you know what, if I have to play outside back, I'm going to be the best outside back ever. I'm going to be, you know, the best teammate. I'm going to support my players. I'm going to get involved in the attack when needed. I'm going to be the best 1v1 defensive uh, player. And, you know, for me, I'm just, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And that's what I really hope to do. Let's take a quick break from our interview with Crystal Dunn. And I'll ask you a question. Do you ever want to watch Spain's La Liga, France's Ligue 1, or Copa Libertadores and get frustrated because they're not available on your cable or satellite system? You should try a streaming service I use that I love. It's called Fanatis with a Z, and you can watch all the action from La Liga, Ligue 1, Copa Libertadores, and other international leagues and tournaments live and on demand from your favorite device whether it's a mobile phone, a tablet, or directly on your TV with the Fanatis app. You can also watch the top leagues from Turkey, Brazil, and Argentina. Fanatis features channels you know, like BN Sports and English and Spanish, Gold TV, and many more. And it costs as little as $7.99 a month. If you'd like to try Fanatis for yourself, you can get a free week-long trial by clicking on the link in the episode description, or by going to fntz.co slash grant hyphen fz. One more time, that's fntz.co slash grant hyphen fz. Thank you very much to Fanatis for sponsoring this episode. Fanatis, the world's largest stadium. Now, back in October, I moderated a panel organized by the FAIR Network that you were on with Justin Morrow and Evan Whitfield and Brenda Elsie, and it was called Glass Ceilings, Black and Latinx Communities and Women in U.S. Soccer. And four months have passed since then, and on Sunday, you and your U.S. teammates decided not to kneel for the national anthem the first time in a while. Uh, where are you now in terms of what you're attempting to do in this stage beyond the protest stage of police brutality toward Black Americans? Yeah, so, um, you know, those that collectively kneeled were kneeling, obviously, to bring about attention. You know, it was a form of protest, you know, and I think there was so much talk about, you know, kneeling, why are you kneeling? It's disrespectful, all this and that. And at the end of the day, what it came down to is what, became popular. It became popular to kneel. You know, no one was kneeling as a sign of disrespect. No one wanted to, uh, you know, not support veterans, not support the flag. It was never about that. And I think, you know, we tried to very much put out the message that it's not about that to ensure that, you know, it's about what we're kneeling for, not that we're kneeling. 
And, you know, we came down to the decision of standing uh, going forward as of now. I can't speak for 10 months down the road. I don't know. But as of now, we are uh, prepared to stand. And that is because we do feel like the work we've been doing off the field is speaking for um, itself. And we don't feel like we're in the protest stage anymore. We feel like we are now putting things into play. We are, uh, you know, forming the Black Women's Player Collective. We are um, trying to really put projects in play that will be long lasting and really combat systemic racism, because that's ultimately what is most important. And that's why we were kneeling in the first place. So for us to not kneel doesn't mean the conversations stop or that the job is done. It simply means that the attention was already brought up. We, you know, it's 2021. If you don't know about police brutality and systemic racism now, then you've been clearly sleeping under a rock or you're choosing not to. And that's fine. But we don't feel like that is our role anymore. Our role now is to, um, you know, uplift the Black women in the NWSL, uplift Black athletes in general, and just Black people across the world, you know. So um, we're really proud of the idea that we, you know, fought really hard to bring this attention as uncomfortable as it was, as divisive as people thought we were. I feel like, um, you know, it's the right time to just move on to the next phase. It seems like you've made a, a conscious decision uh, yourself to raise your voice in the public sphere a bit. There was this Forbes interview you did last month with Alana Glass where you said you'd like to see black women, including yourself, be seen as a, a face of women's soccer and that you felt like you weren't being marketed the way you wanted to be after the 2019 World Cup. Um, do you feel like any progress is starting to be made on those things? How frustrated do you remain? I think people are listening. Uh, the Forbes article definitely got a lot of mom- gained a lot of momentum, which I'm really happy about. Um, and I think overall, my message in that article was not to really say, hey, look at me, I deserve everything. You know, I play on a team sport. I've always acknowledged that it doesn't come down to one person and that leads to all of our success. It, it is a team sport. But ultimately speaking, I do feel like Black athletes don't get the recognition or we're not seen as, you know, valuable or, you know, even just looks wise. It's, it's almost like to put a Black soccer player in the spotlight. It's like, whoa, the world's not ready for that. Like soccer is still predominantly white. So therefore it's, it just fits better marketing wise to say like, you know, this is a face of, of women's soccer and it's, and it's a white person's face, you know? So, um, I'm trying to change that. I think I've always been clear if it, if it isn't me who is ultimately going to reach that status, I think it needs to be a person of color sooner than later. Um, so, you know, the article was definitely not meant to be, Hey, look at me. I should be this, I should be that, but instead to be like, you know, black women have been here fighting to to be in this space that wasn't always originally created for them and and welcoming to them, but you know, we're here and we definitely deserve the recognition that we rightfully deserve. Now, you changed your agent in December to a group called Disrupt the Game, founded mm-hmm. by Allison Gaylor. I don't always ask players about agent changes. But I wanted to in this case because it's related to the discussion we're having right now about how you're being marketed, being a face of the coverage out there. How is your new agent part of that? Um, Yeah, Allison is like two or three years older than me. So it's actually a pretty nice vibe that we have because 
you know, she's young, she's, you know, hungry, she's very willing to just like knock on doors and just, you know, have conversations and build relationships because ultimately that is what it is. Um, you know, every player is different. I think there's definitely athletes that just want to play soccer and they want to leave the field. And that's really what their brand is about. It's just the soccer aspect of things. And I've always felt like I'm more than that, you know, just personality wise. I, I like to connect with people. I like to always think about what my life will be like outside of soccer. And of course, you know, being an advocate for, for, for black women just in general is something that I want to pursue long after I'm done playing soccer. And I would say my new agent is definitely helping me with tapping into the next phase of my life. Obviously I'm not ready to hang up the boots now, but it's always good to, you know, envision what life can be like once uh, soccer is behind me. But, you know, anytime I am trying to reach out to brands or I want to affiliate myself with a brand, it is not just about money or commercial deals or anything. It really is about uh, them supporting me as a, as a whole person, you know, not just looking at me as like, oh, Crystal Dunn, you know, is, is playing really well right now. So therefore we're going to like, we want her to be a part of the brand, but I want brands to see me as a whole human. I want them to support my initiatives, support the Black Women's Player Collective. Everything about me, I want that brand to, um, you know, support me in. So, you know, like I said, every athlete is different. Every player is different. And, and what works for some people is fine. But I just know for me, I just, there's a lot more I want to give uh, to my life and to others. And it's, it's not just about soccer. It certainly strikes me. Tell me if I'm wrong here. It strikes me that you seem very comfortable with your voice right now, like your sort of public voice. And it's not that you were uncomfortable before, but am I wrong in, in, in noticing that you're comfortable speaking on a number of different things these days? Um, yeah, I think, you know, when I was young coming onto the national team, it was all about really surviving and trying to stay in this environment. And that's a very normal thing to feel when you're young and, you know, you're uncertain about your future on this team. And, you know, as much as I wanted to use my voice in the way that I'm using it now back then, it just, it, it never felt comfortable, you know, because, you know, I was maybe starting at some point that I wasn't, and I wasn't coming into camps and that I was, and it, my like career was so up down that I kind of couldn't give my energy to certain things because I was like, whoa, I don't even know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. So like, I need to just focus on being the best player I can be. And then I can ultimately help lead the way for others coming after me. And I think I've hit that point where, you know, I, f I feel comfortable where I am. That's not to say that I don't show up every training and, you know, ball out and try to really, you know, make my presence known, but all to say that at some point, it's a good feeling to feel, you know, more secure in your career. And, you know, after 2019, that's when I started to feel, you know, better about my position on this team and, and just more comfortable and confident. And that comes down to the other players as well, helping me get there. You know, obviously Megan Rapinoe is one of my good friends and she's always been like, yo, you're, you have more than deserved your opportunity to speak out about whatever you need to speak out about. And I was like, cool. That's all I needed was, you know, a little bit of encouragement and little, a little bit of something from somebody else, because I've always felt that I, I wanted to speak out about things, but I was like, oh, I'm young. I don't, I don't really know, but, um, but I'm feeling good now. I think it's, it's so important with uh, being on a big platform. It is important that you take that responsibility to lead the way and help 
uh, those that come after you. It's really interesting to hear just you talk about that because sometimes in the journalism game, people will say about somebody, oh, that person's a good interview or that person's not a great interview. And mm. what I always say in, to people, if, if that ever comes up, is like, I have seen so many athletes feel more comfortable in their voice over time mm -hmm. and that and people change and that's not to say that the person before was a bad person or anything they just feel more comfortable at a certain point in time and and i always try and remember that especially if i interview somebody like when they're 18 or 19 for the first yes. time and and they're probably freaked out about talking yes. to me <laughs> it's so true it really is true it's just an experience thing you know you just it's like life you are going to grow you're going to you know become more educated you're going to learn and um, sometimes you have to fail in order to get better you know so you have to almost give a bad interview to then realize crap that was bad i can't do that again i got to i got to get better <laughs> um Back to soccer. You got one more game left in this tournament. It's against Argentina. Um, I think you need a point to clinch the trophy. Uh, my guess is you want to win. Uh, like, what are you hoping to get out of this last game with the U.S. just for a little bit? Um, yeah, last game, we need to win. We obviously don't ever like to lose. We don't even really like to tie, to be fair. Um, so, you know, for us, it's just being at our very best, you know, a, a much of what this team is about is preparing for every game as is, as if it is a world cup or is an Olympic game, you know, and it's, it's about focusing on us. You know, we go over clips, obviously, of course, on Argentina, their top players, what their trends are, but it ultimately falls down to what are we best at? How do we want to play? What's our style? And um, I know when our team is at our best and we're focusing on what we need to do better, we are, um, you know, pretty much unstoppable, in my opinion. Crystal Dunn and the U.S. women's national team face Argentina on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on FS1 and 2DNA. Crystal, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Crystal Dunn as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.